We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. You have caught us in the middle of a series called Generous Living, where we are looking at what does a Christ-like approach to money look like? Like money is a big thing in our lives, right? And it's, uh, it's a challenge sometimes to have enough of it. It's a challenge sometimes to know what to do with it. It's a challenge sometimes to manage it. So we're looking at what the scriptures say about how, how God wants us to approach money, because Christ had a lot to say about money. And let me just clarify, I said this last week, but I'll say it again this week just to, just to be very clear. We aren't setting you up here for a big fundraising campaign. We're not trying to suck more money out of you or anything like that. This is for your um, relationship with God and your journey that you are going on. And, and just while we're on that, just to let you know that, for example, Jonty and I have no idea whether you give or how much you give in this place or anything like that, we keep the finances very much in the hands of our church manager and our trustees, of, uh, of which um, I'm, I don't do the banking, we don't do the banking. So um, just, just to be clear that we, we don't treat anyone differently here. doesn't matter whether you give a little or give a lot. Our heart here is that we are equipping you in terms of how you walk this out in your discipleship journey with God. And one of the things that we're seeing as we go on this journey is that it is becoming very clear that our attitude towards money matters and how we use our money matters. It actually affects our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. So here's an example of this. It's found in Luke chapter 12, uh, yeah, Luke chapter 12, verse uh, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd came to Jesus and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So here we've got a really good example of just what I'm talking about. Probably there's two brothers that there's a bit of strain in the relationship, okay, over the inheritance. Any sound familiar? Any families here that you've kind of got? No, you don't need to put up your head. Um, <laughs> you know, you, this this is very t- like you know life typical, isn't it? Where you know there's this obviously a bit of a dispute, bit of a disagreement as how the property, how the will should be divided up. And so he's coming and saying, Jesus, you need to sort this out. And how Jesus responds to this guy is very interesting. Jesus replied. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? This isn't my job. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. In other words, let's look at your heart first. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store all these crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. In other words, just enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be 
with whoever stores them things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So basically this guy, Jesus tells this parable about this guy that has an abundance and he's then got a choice. Does he spend it on himself or does he use it to bless others? Now, this guy who asked the question, have you ever thought he's kind of going, did he answer my question? I don't think he really answered my question. You know, he's not, he, he didn't go to Jesus, you know, come on, you, you, you're meant to tell my brother that he's meant to be doing the right thing here. But the point that Jesus makes here is actually what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your brother's heart in regard to your attitude towards money. That's actually what matters a whole lot more in this situation. Rather than who's right or who's wrong, but let's, let's have a look at your heart attitude first. So that's where we went last week. We looked at how the love of money is a dangerous thing in our lives and how we all need to surrender that love for money that we can have, where we have to prayerfully consider the priorities in our lives and allow God to direct those priorities so that our money is managed well so that we are blessed and we're able to bless others. And as we invest that money into the lives of other people who need our help, we're building treasures in heaven, not just here on earth. That shapes a healthy attitude in us towards money. And Jesus says, now this is what will happen if you surrender your finances to God. Not just, you know, giving as you need to give to those in need or to the church or whatever, but you actually... Come before God prayerfully with your finances and say, God, this is your money. How do you want me to use it? And allow God's spirit to guide you. What Jesus says will happen then is you'll be free from the love of money. You actually won't worry so much about it. It won't tie you up in knots. You'll be far more aware of the needs of people around you rather than just your own needs. And you'll actually see that God will make sure your needs are met. And actually you'll have left over, you'll have surplus to give into the kingdom of God. And something that we didn't look at last week, but a, a, a significant theme in the Bible as we develop that sort of attitude, is we develop contentment. Oh, if we could only be content. In a world of comparison, this is so hard, isn't it? You get, we get bombarded every day um, through social media or other forms of media or just looking at what other people have got and go, oh, we think we've got good stuff. And then you kind of look at someone else and you go, yeah, but they've got better stuff. You know, maybe I, maybe I need that new model. Maybe I need that new thing. But maybe just taking a look at what you've got and being thankful for what you've got, being content with what you have. So Jesus was basically replying to this guy and saying, hey, you go have your conversation with your brother. That's none of my business. But make sure your heart's in the right place. Have you surrendered your finances to God? It, it matters. So I, that, I know that was kind of a summary of last week, but it's really important that we kind of build one thing on top of another. And Jesus, in all his teaching on money, he always starts with the heart attitude first. So if we've got our heart in the right place, what next? What does Jesus say about how we are to use the money that, that has been entrusted to us? 
And so that's where we're going for the next couple of weeks. Well, I'll look at this week and what John T will look at next week. And basically, the overall point here is that God expects his people, us, to be wise stewards with what he has entrusted us with. He expects us to be wise stewards with what he has entrusted us with. Or here's another way to put it. Can God trust you with money? Can God trust you with money? If you were blessed with a whole lot of money that you didn't expect suddenly arrive in your bank account for a legitimate reason, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all good. And, and what would you do with that? Can God trust you to, to use that wisely? Now, I know you're probably sitting there pretty smart and go, hey, drop a whole lot of money in my bank account, it will be all good. I'll, I'll have that all sorted out. Here's a really interesting statistic I read as I uh, did some research on this this week. Is that, did you know, I actually have a guess at this. They've done a worldwide survey of lottery winners, right? Guess what percentage of lottery winners have all their money, like, I mean, the whole lot is gone within five years? 30%? 70%? If you said 70%, you are right on the money. Ah, there you go. Chris is on it. And that, kid, that, isn't that crazy? That's, that's like over two-thirds of people that get this big windfall of money, it's all gone within five years. I, I struggle to get my head around that. But it's partly because we're just not used to having money that we're entrusted with. We're used to just living week by week. And so it, it, when we get blessed, we kind of go, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And, and, and maybe they, give it, they gave it away for really good reasons. I don't know. But it's just an interesting statistic that it's all gone within five years. So there are a lot of parables around how we are to use money. How we had to be wise stewards of it. And I haven't got time to go through all those parables um, with you and read them all um, here this morning. So I've put them in your devotional notes this week. So as you go through the devotional notes this week, you'll see the parables like the parable of the talents and the parable of the landowner and the parable of the wise stewards. And you'll see that as you go on that journey, as you read through those devotions this week, you'll see... There are some common themes to all these parables that Jesus explains or, or gives. He's the, and common to all of them is there is a master who has the money and he entrusts it to a, a steward. In other words, there is God who entrusts us with money. It's not our money. It's his money, okay? We are simply stewards of the resource that we've been given. Imagine if we just kept that thought in mind, that it's actually not our money, it's God's money, and we're just entrusted with it. That's a really good start. And then he gives it to the stewards, and there is an expectation that they will do something with this money. That they don't just use it for themselves, but they actually multiply, they actually put the money to good use. And then there is an accountability for it. And the accountability, when they come back to their master and say, this is what I've done with it, um, shows up something of the person's character. That's kind of the theme that runs through a lot of these parables. 
Now let's take a snapshot, just look at some of the taglines just at the end of one or two of these parables. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus says this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Here's another one, Matthew chapter 25, the end of um, the parable of the talents. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered, where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, we read some of these parables, and that's pretty radical. Like, we think, hang on, that's not fair. Like, if you've been given a little bit, and even if you're not very sort of, you know, wise with what you've been given, it shouldn't be taken away from you. Surely you need it. But Jesus makes this point over and over again. You have to be a wise steward of what you've been given whether that be relationships in your life or whether that be time and whether, or whether that be money. Are you using what I have placed in your hands wisely? So what does that look like? Well, if we look at all of these stories, we see one common theme is that the, the steward was to seek out, to think through, what would my master want me to do? Rather than just what they wanted to do, the idea was that they were thinking, okay, what, is, what does my master want to do? And how that applies to us is we should be thinking with our money, God, what would you do with this money? If, if God was to distribute the money that he has given me, what would he do with it? That is a great question to ask. And, it's, and it shouldn't be just sort of a, a one-off question to ask that we kind of go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll ask that once and then we kind of think, oh, yes, God wants me to give so-and-so to this mission organisation or to this church or to this charity. Okay, I've done that, and then that's it. No, th- this should be an ongoing prayer that we pray, that we go, God, lead me and guide me in this. And if you need wisdom in that, ask God. James 1 verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, in, in, in regard to money, let's say, ask the generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So have you asked? Have you had the courage to ask, what, what will God have me do with this money? And there are, I, I was thinking as an illustration of this, and there was, there's a number of stories, and I can even think of some stories within this congregation of people who have done that, who have surrendered their heart and their money to God, and then God is directed, and then there's been a bountiful harvest of investment that's come from that. But here's a story that you may not be aware of, but happened a, a few years ago in a ministry that we're connected with, um, here in Christchurch, there's a ministry called uh, Rodham House. And Rodham House was a house, actually, just, it's just in front of the Parks Place, actually. Um, now, they had a big house there, and there was a hall upstairs, and it was an outreach to foreign students. 
So they taught um, English as a second language and they did some Bible studies and things like that and uh, a team of people ran it. It was a really cool ministry and as a church we've invested in that ministry over the years. But then what happened is the earthquakes came along and wrote off this house. It was an older house and um, so uh, they had a mortgage on it but they, they got this payout so um, they, they paid off the mortgage and they went, okay, we've got about... $200,000 left over. And they're going, okay, well now what, we, what do we do? We want a place to meet, but it was after the earthquakes, and as you all know, if you lived in Christchurch, that was a bit of a challenge. So they're going, okay, well let's just, we'll just set the money aside. But let's pray. So the team at Rodham House, this, this is where it gets really interesting, and you might think a little bit weird, but anyway, this is what they did. So this team prayed and said, God, where do you want us to invest the money? And uh, they, just, they just waited for a few minutes and nothing sort of you know, came out. And then this guy came in and says, bonus bonds. And everyone kind of laughed at him and went, bonus bonds. Like, who's made anybody out of bonus bonds? Like, you've got to be kidding me. You know? like, they're actually looking at wrapping up bonus bonds. You know? like, <laughs> it's actually finished now. But they went, you know... Uh, let's do it. If that's what God says, let's put this 200000 in bonus bonds. The worst case scenario, in a few years when we need the money, at least we get the 200000 back. We're not going to lose anything. So they, they put the $200,000 in bonus bonds. Two years later, they found a house to buy. They Just before they decided to pull the money out of bonus bonds, they won. They won a million dollars in bonus bonds. Isn't that amazing? I just go, that's just unbelievable. It's a true story. So what they then were able to do is they were able to buy a house to, to run Rodham House, which still is going today, mortgage-free, as well as that, invest some money and the interest from that money still keeps the ministry going. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that's, that's what God can do. God can direct in some very specific ways they are very unexpected, and you'd be surprised at just how resourceful God can be when we, when we give ourselves to prayer and go, God, what do you want me to do with this resource that you've given? So the first thing is to be prayerful. Seek God as to what to do with the resources that you've got. Secondly, what we see in these parables is that the wise stewards are to be resourceful. They are to take their money and go, well, how can we invest this in, in, in the kingdom of God? How can we use this money to make a little bit more money to invest more money into the kingdom of God? It's, it's, it's not a bad thing to make money if the end goal in mind is to keep investing that money into the kingdom. If it's to keep it for yourself, there's a whole lot of parables about keeping it for yourself, how dangerous that is and how foolish that is. We read one right at the, the start of the, the message. But if you're investing it wisely so there's more money to be made available for the kingdom, well, that's a good thing. Actually, Jim um, last week reminded me of Robert Laidlaw who's the guy that started the Farmers Trading Company here in New Zealand. Very committed Christian guy. And uh, as it turns out, Farmers became a very successful uh, department store, as you know, right up and down our country in years gone by. And he took a m much of the profit out of that business, 
and sowed it into the kingdom of God here in New Zealand. Actually, a lot of the Sunday school resources that we have um, come from Robert Laidlaw's um, initiative. Actually, the Bible College of New Zealand, which is the biggest uh, training institution for ministers in New Zealand, now called Laidlaw College after him, um, was set up mostly from funds uh, from the Farmers Trading Company. I quote from Robert Laidlaw. He says this, From the earliest stages of my business, I tithed and received God's blessing and wisdom. A tithe means giving 10%. But at the same time, I knew from the parables of the seeds that the Lord wishes our crop to be bountiful, so it blesses him, but it is a sin to harvest the crop too early. So initially my tithes were small and gifts of love, and I felt God's blessing on my work. But later, when my business was was a success, my tithes were bountiful, and I was blessed again. See, that's wisdom. That's what God expects. He's going, don't just be silly with, with what you're giving. Think about what you're giving into and what you're investing in, and think long-term, not just short-term. So it's a blessing for the kingdom long-term. Now, of course, I appreciate there are immediate needs that have to be met in, in the church and in the kingdom of God and, and all of that sort of thing. That's great, and, those, and we do have it. But we also need wise people who can look long-term. You're sitting in a building today because some people thought long-term about the kingdom of God. Actually, when we were raising money for this gym, we went to our 300 or so school families and we all gave, we gave them $100. We actually followed the principle of the talents. And we gave them $100 and we said, go and multiply that money and then give it back to us. That was risky, eh? Because that, that's quite a lot of money that we had to give away and had to, had to keep account of. I think in our school community alone... Uh, I think we raised around three to four hundred thousand dollars for this gym. That's quite an impressive amount of money for three hundred families. And then, then got a whole lot of community money, and then government money, and then attendance dues. And and we're able to build now a building that this building will serve the kingdom of God for many, many years to come. I remember uh, Dave Donaldson will remember this. Uh, we were had the opportunity to. Uh, look at a building over um, Shirley, over Hills Road, um, a number of years ago now. It was after the earthquakes, and um, it was a Shirley Working Men's Club, and they were selling it, and um, we kind of got wind of the situation. And we took a, another property developer guy who invests in this sort of thing with us to give us some wisdom as to whether it was a good purchase or not. Another good thing to do, by the way. Use wisdom in the, in the Christian community. And um, we had a look around, and then they gave us a figure, and it was well under two, $2 million. And, um, and we thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good. The property developer kind of looked at us, looked at David and I, and Aaron went, if you don't buy this, I will. <laughs> In other words, this is a really good deal. You should buy it right now. As it turns out, that property today, which is now the home of Eastside Church, is valued at around $10 million. And that was all within the last 10 years. Very wise investment of money, thinking long term. And you might think, oh, isn't that, isn't that very you know, worldly? Isn't that very secular? From what we see in Scripture, God's going, no, that's what I expect you to do. Don't be silly with money. Be wise with money. 
Invest it so it, it builds my kingdom here on earth. And here's the third thing that we see, is that a wise steward values the relationship. He values the relationship with his master. He values the relationships with our other servants. He, he values the relationships around him. Actually, the, the parable of the wise steward, which I was going to unpack today, but I don't have time, but you can have a read of it, it very much emphasises that point. That we're not to isolate ourselves with money and just spend it on ourselves and ignore the needs of around, uh, around us, but we're to, to partner with other people who are also godly, who are also wise with money, and go, okay, how can we work together in building the kingdom of God in our city, in our nation? What would God entrusting us with this resource and us increasing that resource look like? We as an eldership team here um, a number of years ago now, or maybe we're talking 15 years ago or something like that, I remember being in a room and a church had approached us and said, hey, we're just in need of some money um, just at the moment, uh, just not sure quite what to do. And we went, okay, let's pray about that. And as we were praying about it, we, we came up with a figure and we said, hey, let's, let's loan this church this, this amount of money. We may not necessarily have the money, but we're going to um, use what we do have and give what we can to this church as a loan. And so we went, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's cool. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a wise investment. And then another one of the, as we were praying about that, another one of our elders said, yeah, and I think we should do it interest-free. And that's where we all kind of gulped a bit and went, oh, that's going to cost us a bit of money. (laughs) But here's the thing. We loaned that money to that church. That was an incredible blessing to that church. I think that church paid us back, um, I'm looking at David, within three or four years. It was a reasonably short amount of time because they didn't have to pay us interest as well as as the capital. They, They could see that... Um, we stretched ourselves to give it to them and they wanted to bless us back. And, and that church is still a very successful church in our city today. I think that's what the kingdom of God is about. I think that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to be prayerful. And I know a lot of the examples I've used today are, are more sort of corporate, where we're, we're, we're doing it all together, and as, absolutely we should be doing that. But it also applies to our personal finance. Are you prayerful in how you, are, how you use the money that God's given you? Are you resourceful with the way that God's blessed you? Are you relational? And if you're not sure, get advice. If you're not great with money, if, you, if that's, I appreciate for some people, this is just not your jam, you know, this is just not your thing, you know. You just don't get all of this stuff, you know. But there are other people, there are good people probably sitting in this room, I suspect, that are very good with money. Then use their resource. And just another couple of practical notes that John D and I were talking about this, this week that we ju- this is kind of public service announcement. This isn't necessarily from Scripture, but since we're talking about money. Here's the other thing, is be wise enough to not be sucked into something you shouldn't be sucked into with money. There is a lot of scammers out there now. Actually, almost every day I see in the media people losing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to scammers. 
my strong suggestion to you would be to watch a program um, called You've Been Scammed. It's um, by Nigel Latter, I think. Puts it on about 8 o'clock, 8.30 or something like that, 7.30, Monday night. So, but you can, you can go on TV and Z On Demand, have a look at it. It, it, they are really, really clever these days. Yeah, and, and you've probably all you know, had texts or emails that you kind of go, oh, yeah, that looks a bit dodgy, don't open it. Absolutely don't open it. Like, this is just, it, it, it must break God's heart to see that money wasted on, on people that are just, mm, okay, the rogues. <laughs> Makes me a bit angry. Should make us a bit angry. Because, oh, man, that, oh, anyway, we, we won't go there. And I just think, I think, man, if that money was, was saved and invested into the kingdom, oh, that would be so much better. If, if you need help, get help. If you need budget advice, get budget advice. But get, do a budget. Think long term. Talk to other people about money. The world will tell you, no, 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 no. Don't talk about money. Keep it all for yourself and, and, and work it all out for yourself. But that's not the wise thing to do. The wise thing to do is to be transparent about money with those who you can trust around you and get advice from wise people who have, have shown themselves trustworthy with money to prayerfully consider what you're doing. And, it, and by the way, it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. These principles apply to whether we've got $10 or $100 or $1,000. God wants us to follow his way with money. And as we take that Christ-like approach to money and we choose his way, he will bless us. Now, yeah, okay, let's, let's not take this too far. This isn't prosperity teaching here. I'm not saying, oh, you know, you're going to have this wonderful mansion and this awesome car as long as you give money to God and all this. No, no, no. He says you'll meet your needs, not your wants. But the principle that we see in Scripture and what Jesus is teaching us here is if our heart is in the right place in regard to money, if we've surrendered our finances to him, if we've come to him and gone, God, how do I best use this money? And we are seeking his advice and the, the advice from others and we use it to bless those around us, then we'll actually see the benefit of good relationships around our life and a right relationship with God in regard to this whole area of finance. So I've hit you with a whole lot of stuff over the last half an hour. Just pause and think, out of all of that, what is something that God is speaking to you about? It is, is it about being a bit more prayerful in your approach to money? Is it about being wiser in how you approach money? Is it about thinking through who else you can team up with in regard to money? Is it thinking through where you're going to invest? Is it thinking through how you're blessing relationships around your life to build those relationships, not, not use those relationships to get money, but use your money to build those relationships and to, to see God's kingdom come in your life and the world around you? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.